Several years ago, a letter arrived addressed to the church from a local foundation. I opened it to see what this was all about, and inside was a check addressed to Queen Anne Presbyterian Church, and a letter that said basically, almost only, this is to be used for your work for those in need. That was about it. This check and this very brief note, no explanation on why, um, no request that we send back any reporting even of, of what we did with the money. It was just straight up a gift to us to give to others. So we deposited the check and we started talking about what to do with it. And basically, this ended up being the seed money that prompted us to propose to Queen Anne Helpline what became the Weekend Food for Kids program. And even though the foundation didn't ask for any reporting, we did send them a thank you letter and let them know what it was we were doing. Now, one of the many wild things about this story is that another check arrived three months later with no further explanation or requirement than here's this gift for your work and caring for others. And another three months after that, another check arrived. And they have continued to arrive. For a long time, it was once a quarter, and, and now it's twice a year. And we have been in more contact uh, with the foundation through the years. We know a bit more about why it was that we were selected as a congregation to receive these gifts. And we do continue to send them thank yous and let them know about what we have done with and what we are doing with the money. But essentially, the Biella Foundation sends us money to be used to help others, to give to others. And we get the immense joy of being able to help others in ways that we probably wouldn't be able to do without the, the funding. Through the years, we've used this money to, as I said, start the Weekend Food for Kids program on Queen Anne, which grew so big that the Ballard Food Bank basically uh, took on the whole production. Uh, so we then uh, have been using it in many ways to buy the products that have filled the hundreds and hundreds of hygiene packs for women that we have made up here and then have been distributed through the WHEEL program. And even through COVID, Susanna Blackman has continued to buy bulk quantities of the hygiene products and uh, with using the Biela funds and delivered them herself to the shelter on our behalf. We've also used the funds to buy hundreds of headsets for elementary school students who had to use computers for online learning, uh, but happened to be in, in environments where it was very noisy, and, and unless they had the headphones um, and the mics, they wouldn't be able to really concentrate. 
Just last week, we sent a check for $1,000 to the Queen Anne Helpline to help provide Thanksgiving meals for isolated seniors. And sometime during this holiday season, very soon, um, we will be packing and we'll have an, uh, an actual packing party. Again, if you're vaccinated or if you're a kid and are not able to be vaccinated, that's fine. Uh, you'll come, but we will have an opportunity to pack 70 special Christmas gift bags for the clients of Wheel with items purchased from the financial gifts that we receive from the Biela Foundation. So as, we, as I came to this morning's text from 1 Peter, I was just struck by what an incredibly profound and clear example of the life that Peter is encouraging for the disciples of Christ to live. This way in which we receive this gift from Biela to give to others. Peter is declaring that every single follower of Christ has a gift given to them by God, and these gifts are meant to be shared with others. And when we live this out, God shines gloriously. Peter establishes right away that everyone has been gifted in some way. In verse 10, he starts it out, uh, each one should use whatever gift they have received to serve others. Notice he doesn't say each one who has received a gift should use it. He doesn't say that because everyone has received a gift. Now, what qualifies as a gift is a little more up in the air. There are some commentators who are, have very strict and very specific um, guidelines for what qualifies as a, a spiritual gift. The Greek word that's used has transferred uh, into the English language directly in a way that leads many of us astray when we think of what our gift might be. The Greek word used is charisma, which sounds very much, in fact, exactly like the word that we use in the language, uh, English language, charisma. Uh, but in the original, it meant more than just the way that we have come to think of it. For some people, their gift is very charismatic in the way that we understand it. It's sort of bright or extroverted or noticeable. In fact, when Peter writes, um, if anyone speaks, they should do it as the one speaking the very word of God. And this is generally thought of to be preaching, particularly in, in the context Peter was writing. And speech of whatever form is by nature noticeable. It's meant to be heard. But Peter also acknowledges that gifts are often less noticeable. He says, in addition, if anyone speaks, they should do it as if it's God's word. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides. And the Greek word used here is diakone, from which we get our word deacon, which has become very much a church word for 
a particular type of ministry within churches. But originally, that word diakone described it was the title for someone who served tables, essentially like a waiter or busser, someone who served tables. And this covers all of the gifts that it takes to serve others in the many ways that that can happen. It's a huge variety of gifts. Wayne Grudman, who is a professor in the United States, helps us understand the vast possibilities of what a gift might be. Whoever speaks, he writes, includes not just teaching or preaching, but many kinds of gifts involving speech activity, evangelism, prophesying, perhaps singing, or sharing words of praise and testimony in the assembled congregation. Whoever renders service, he writes, is again a very broad category, which includes any kind of helping or encouraging ministry for the benefit of others in the church, or by extension of the idea, any Christian service or ministry to others outside the church. Since there are various types within even one gift, for example, people with the gift of evangelism may differ in the kinds of evangelism that they do best, similarly with teaching, with helping, etc. One could say that there is an almost limitless variety of different spiritual gifts, all manifestations of the richly varied and abundant grace of God. For me, I think what distinguishes a gift is that it is something that we do or we have that God seems to give us the energy and or the resources for. That the, that the, the energy to keep doing it or the resources to keep doing it seem to come from God. An example, years ago, I was very significantly depressed. And yet, I was always able to do the work of preaching and leading worship. Also, we all know people who have very modest means and yet give generously in all sorts of different ways. Those are the type of things that it just seems the source comes from the Spirit of God. Peter Davids, a former professor at Regent College where I did my graduate work, describes the dynamics behind gifts. He writes, one can depend on that strength which God provides. God has ordered the job done and God will pay the expenses, be they material, physical, or emotional. God backs up the act of the Christian who is being a good steward of the gifts, independence on God. In our passage this morning, God through Peter is reminding us that each one of us has a gift that, or, or gifts, plural even, that God gives us. 
And we are also reminded that we are given those gifts in order to share them. In verse 10, each one should use whatever gift they have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace, God's grace in its various forms. There are a couple of great comments uh, that I came across written uh, about this idea. The first is from the 17th century Scottish pastor Robert Layton. He says, everyone has received some gift and nobody has received all the gifts. As in nature, nothing is useless. So also, also nothing is self-sufficient. And even uh, a little bit before him, John Calvin wrote, Peter teaches us here that God had designedly done this, given each a gift, in order that he might bind man to one another. None of us is given all the gifts because God doesn't want it that way. God wants us all to be dependent on one another, to share our gifts. God gives us gifts in order to knit us together in community. The other reason we share is because these gifts aren't ours in the first place. Uh, they are gifts from God to us. Again, uh, in the ending of verse 10, especially, um, each one should use the, whatever gift they have received, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. And that administrating is, is actually, again, the Greek word is um, oikonomoi, uh, servants should administer. Uh, it's a title for a particular type of servant at the time. Servants who were entrusted to make decisions about the use and distribution of the resources of an estate. The servants were simply stewards of the resources. They weren't the, the servants' resources. They belonged to the, the owner of the estate. But they were given the, the job of distributing those and deciding how they were used. That's along the lines of why we heard that story that Jesus told. The point is to use the gifts that are entrusted to us on behalf of the one who has entrusted them to us. To make something of them, especially in a way that would be honoring and glorifying to the one who gave them. And the parable is harsh because it was meant to be just sort of spoken orally and heard once and you get the main point. And the main point had been, if you, you know, if you're given something from God, do something with it. <laughs> That's the purpose. It's not to be hoarded or to be played safe. It's also what the people described in that Psalm did and why they were praised for it. 
these blessed men and women who revere God, who cherish and relish God's commandments, uh, their houses brim with wealth and a generosity that never runs dry. And wealth here can mean, again, a vast assortment of gifts, but the generosity that never runs dry. Again, the good person is generous and lends lavishly, uh, unfazed by rumor and gossip, ever blessed, relaxed among enemies. They lavish gifts on the poor, a generosity that goes on and on and on, an honored life, a beautiful life. They're held up as, as examples of a beautiful life for this giving, this generosity. And each one of us has been given gifts to give for the benefit of the greater community and the glory of God. And often, the ones who use uh, their gift and the ones whose use of their gifts brings the most thanksgiving and glory to God for God's grace are the ones whose gifts are not even necessarily known by a lot of people. As we celebrated with Marilyn for 25 years, I bet there's a lot of folks that didn't know that you were doing those, that work and that you did it for as many years as you did it, as faithfully. And in addition to, to Marilyn, I remember... Um, Boots Lewis, uh, those of you who were dear, dear human being, and I remember her early on saying something about how, you know, I'm, I, I can't do much anymore. All I can do is pray. I'm like, uh, okay. <clears throat> that is one of the greatest gifts that you can, you can give to the life of the, the congregation and to the benefit of of our neighbors. And in fact, I honestly believe that it was the prayers of Boots and Reuben and, and Erwin Jensen and or the Jensens, I, I didn't ever get to meet his wife, but the Balls and the Nordlands, just this, there was a small collective of, of people that I remember Boots telling me in the late 70s when it looked bleak for the future of this church, especially compared to its fairly recent past, they got together and they prayed and they felt that God wasn't done with this congregation yet, that God still had work to do. And it was through their prayers that this place survived. And in the 50 years, 40 years since that little group of people got together and prayed, we have done so much, so many people have been blessed through this congregation, either because of being a part of it or simply receiving the gifts that have been shared through it. And that was from prayer. Again, this, this church is filled with stories of saints giving their gifts to this congregation and our neighbors in order that the witness of God's love and grace would continue. For as long as there have been human beings, I think, 
There have been those who have tried to discover the magic of alchemy, the magic of taking something ordinary and converting it into something extremely valuable. Well, Robert Layton helps us to understand how God works alchemy in the world when we share our ordinary lives and our gifts to help others for God's glory. Leighton writes, as the love of God grows in the heart, this purpose to praise and glorify God grows. It is more frequently in the mind as we go about doing ordinary things, eating, drinking, sleeping, and the work of our calling, the sharing of our gift. All this is for this end. It is this elixir that turns your ordinary deeds into gold. I love that. That's the alchemy of God working through our gifts, turning the ordinariness of our gifts into gold. Each of us has a gift from God. And so Peter encourages us, each one should use whatever gift they have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength of God that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen.